Good Tuesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us from our studio in downtown Charlottesville on Market Street. It's a pleasure to connect with you guys through a network that's been um, a lot of hard work, a lot of effort um, for a handful of people over the last six or seven years. And we pride ourselves in relaying content to you that is local to this community. Um, our mindset is humanize, localize, and personalize our content and our brand. And I think we try to do that through our coverage of news, of entrepreneurship, of business, of real estate, of politics, of current events, of restaurants. You name it, we cover it. J-Dubs, check that group feed if you can. I love Seville group. Um, that would be uh, helpful. Thank you, sir. Logan Wells, Clay Lone, Bill McChesney, welcome to the program. Take a look at the screen for topics we're going to cover on today's show. I need to do a better job of um, encouraging you, the viewer and listener, to subscribe to our e-newsletter, the I Love Seville e-newsletter. So you will start seeing call to actions on this program and across our social media channels, encouraging you guys to subscribe to a newsletter where we send you our, our content um, for you to digest and read at your leisure. E-newsletter marketing is still very impactful and our following is quite significant. Judah, our I Love Seville e-newsletter following, put it in perspective, how many subscribers? Uh, 12,927. Thank you, Judah Wickhauer. And let me know if you have the, uh, that I Love Seville, oh, you do have the group up and running. Excellent work, Judah, thank you kindly. Um, first, I want to highlight reads on uh, Preston Avenue. We talked about this yesterday. I, I want this entire community, and we'll put this in, on our Facebook pages, on our Instagram pages, on our LinkedIn pages, on our Twitter accounts. It's all over social media. We'll put it in front of, um, Judah said the number was 12,927 subscribers to our newsletter. We'll send that out um, tomorrow. I want to support Reed's, the grocery store on Preston Avenue. I also um, want to do it in a strategic way. I think gift cards is the most strategic way of supporting this grocery store, buying gift cards, where they're getting a cash infusion today to help them replenish their groceries. And then giving us the opportunity, the customer, to come back at another time to buy the groceries that they're going to purchase today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. I do have a concern that if those of us that shop, say, at Wegmans or Food Lion or Kroger, Whole Foods, Giant, Harris Teeter, if we change our shopping habits and go to Reed's now when the shelves are very empty and we buy their limited um, items on the shelves, then what that's going to do is potentially impact the neighborhoods of 10th and Page, of Rose Hill, of Fifeville, downtown, neighborhoods that historically are financially margin and, and, and need this locally owned grocery store because it's on a bus line or within walking distance of their house. So consider the gift card purchase at Reed's. That's why you see it on screen as a way to help a local institution that is asking for our help. Asking for our help to survive. And I think this community, Charlottesville, is as good as the locally owned businesses that exist within the community. And, and let's cut to the chase. I mean, you're seeing the grocery business being marginalized and, and, and dying the death of 1,000 cuts and 1,000 competitors. It's no secret that online delivery and online shopping are impacting the grocery business. Even the giants are feeling the pain. So I can't imagine what a locally owned business where the ownership has said our margins have diminished 20% since the pandemic. Gift cards, the way to support Reeds on Preston Avenue. Gift cards. All right, the lead of the show has got to be the breaking news from the Charlottesville Police Department. A man has been arrested um, for a homicide that took place on early Saturday morning, October 14th. So two Saturdays ago, 
in the 300th block of East Market Street, literally across from the library, the 300th block of East Market Street. The man who's been arrested, Reginald Eugene Lindsay Jr. of Gordonsville, taken into custody, according to the Charlottesville Police Department, for second-degree murder. Lindsay was taken into custody with the assistance of the U.S. Marshal, Marshal's Task Force, and the Charlottesville Police Department has indicated they want to give a special thanks to the Virginia State Police 3A Task Force, who the Charlottesville Police Department says was instrumental in this case. No one wants to see the gun violence, the violent crime in our community. I start with that. No one wants to see men and women murdered. And over the last 18 to 24 months, we have seen significant crime tied to guns in Charlottesville and into Albemarle County. It is concerning. It's concerning because it's at a higher clip than we're accustomed to. It's concerning because it's happening in highly populated areas. It's happening downtown. It's happening on the mall. It's happening near the Omni Hotel. It's happening when kids are getting off school buses as they're crossing the road with the help of crossing guards. It's the entire age spectrum from preteens and teenagers to this arrest was a what? Man, middle-aged man. If there is a glimmer of positivity out of this story today is the arrest was made. Cautious and the department, Charlottesville Police, are making arrests and they're doing it efficiently and they're doing it by letting the community know that they are catching folks that are utilizing violent methods to scare all of us. This murder happened not even a block from where I'm sitting right now. As bars were let out in downtown Charlottesville in front of a public library. In fact, there is a flower display, a bouquet of flowers honoring Danny Hall, who was killed early Saturday morning on October 14th. I give props yet again to Chief Cotches and his department, and I say superheroes don't wear capes, they wear badges. I give props to the efficiency of the investigation. And now I ask viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show, what are the next steps for the city as a whole, and certainly for downtown Charlottesville, to rehabilitate an image that has been impacted. One of the viewers and listeners of our talk show that I am very quick to highlight his comments is a gentleman that goes by the acronym Deep Throat. The nickname, excuse me, the nickname Deep Throat. He sent us a graph, some data that I want to highlight on the show. Can you put that on screen, Judah Wickhauer? It's on screen now. This according to Tip Insights. I encourage you to check out TIPP Insights online, Tip Insights. They bill themselves as the home of American <coughs> public opinion and data. They provide gold standard polls, breaking news, and international focus covering the economy, national security, technology, and culture. They did a poll that's on screen now. Judah's currently showing it. The headline of the poll is 63% of folks have reduced or stopped visiting communities with increased crime. I've mentioned on previous programs 
that my better half and her friends feel uncertain about coming to parts of the city, downtown in particular, after hours, at night. And I ask, and I'll weave you in the mix here, what are the next steps for Charlottesville City to help rehabilitate a perceived or actual image issue. This is a very real conversation we need to have. And it may make some folks uncomfortable. And depending on whatever side you're on when it comes to Tent Town, a homeless encampment that has now been dissolved by the reinstatement of a curfew of 11 p.m. in Market Street Park, that storyline did not contribute positively, positively to the downtown image. I'm extremely happy that this murderer, alleged murderer, was caught by the Charlottesville Police Department. That is good news. But a headline that's going to be all over media, this one's extremely well watched, whether you like it or not, the I Love Seville show. A headline that says downtown murderer caught by police is not good to the overall image of the show overall image of downtown Charlottesville. Excuse me. I've asked this question previously. The next steps we need to rehabilitate the eight blocks that are the heartbeat of a 10.2 square mile city and that's the downtown mall. I have some ideas. I'm going to weave Judah Wickhauer in on a two shot. J-Dub says he's going up and down the eastern seaboard. Aaron King, I'm curious of your thoughts on this. Georgia Gilmer, I'm curious of your thoughts. Kevin Yancey, Josh Tracy, and Kyle Miller, I'm curious of your thoughts on this. Ray Cadell, I'm curious of your, th your thoughts. Matty Horn, I'm curious of your thoughts. Carly Wagner, I'm curious of your thoughts. Judah, we'll cut to the chase. You and I both, because we talked about this in the pre-production meeting, and I don't like speaking for you, but both of us pleased that the police department efficient with its policing and the arrest of this alleged murderer. No doubt. Safe to say yes, right? Definitely. My follow-up question is this. This past weekend was the tent town eviction, mm -hmm. the dissolving of a homeless encampment on Market Street. Today, it's Market Street, murderer, arrested. Those coincide, those are separated by what? 72 hours? More or less. More or less. I ask you this question. Is there an image problem here? For whom? For what? downtown is there an image problem for the downtown um... mr. DL your thoughts deep throat your thoughts this Judah is gonna go first on this one I think there's a <clears throat> I think there's a disconnect yeah I think there's I mean you've got You've got Charlottesville City Hall. You've got the uh, shop owners and business people. You've got um, you've got all the visitors to the downtown mall, and I don't know that they're all aligned together on the same uh, on the same page, um, and especially with this uh, with this Market Street Park uh, thing. I think. Um, I think maybe it would be nice if they were more in line. If uh, there's just, I, you know, I feel like there's not anyone in control here. I think that's the biggest issue for me. In control of what? Of anything. I mean, uh, we're, we've got another year where we're not going to have the, um, 
not going to have first night Virginia. We've got... Um, we broke that news. In fact, Judah Wickhauer did. Yep. First night Virginia, a family-friendly New Year's Eve... Formerly. Formally. Former, festival. Formerly. Festival. Not even sure what you're saying. Is not going to happen for a second straight season. Not booze-related. Family-friendly. Kid-friendly. Second straight year or third straight year that this isn't going to happen. Yep. You broke that news. Yep. We do have the Halloween trick-or-treat going on. That was a success last year. My family took part of it last year. Friends of Seville, the nonprofit, the 501c3, funded by business donations, real estate owner donations, landlord donations. They've installed cameras with the approval of business owners and building owners along the downtown mall to offer another set of proverbial digital eyes for anything that happens in downtown Charlottesville. The University of Virginia has paid on its dime for yellow-shirted ambassadors to walk up and down the downtown mall. I'm going to be very realistic. The yellow-shirted ambassadors provide very little value. Oftentimes I see them on their phone. I'm very... I would like a serious study done on what the value of the yellow-shirted ambassadors that are walking up and down downtown mall offer. We heard David Trecarici, the owner of Skuma, in a previous interview, say he's spending nearly $200,000 a year out of company money to hire an armed guard for security at his store, Skuma Boutique Dispensary, the best dispensary in Charlottesville, is the one located on the downtown mall next to Rapture, Skuma Boutique Dispensary. Judah makes a legitimate point. Who is managing the brand or the narrative? Calling the shots for a jurisdiction that may need a little bit of rehabilitation. Keep going. Um, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to keep going. On anything you want to cover. I, I, I try not to tell you what to say. You're a man of uh, free speech and can say anything he wants at any time. Um, okay. Um, I think that uh, I just see that there's not really a, uh, what's the word, like a, a through. I, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, there's, I just feel like there are all these disconnected parts and they're not really operating in a well-oiled um you know, well-kept fashion the way a good machine should. And I think that's what downtown needs is somebody, um, somebody keeping the, uh, the machine running um, in a well, in a well-considered fashion. Is that government? And would you feel comfortable with that being government? I didn't say it should be government. Who do you think it should be? Somebody with a somebody with a good memory of uh, Charlottesville. Somebody with uh, what do we call it? Uh, institutional um, memory. Yeah. Is somebody that the mayor? Is that Lloyd Snook who's got institutional memory? Kevin Yancey points to the fact that there are no no Fourth of July fireworks celebrations anymore, right. as eroding the goodwill and the equity that this community has proudly championed for so long. You highlighted the fact that First Night Virginia, breaking news here on the I Love Seville show, will not happen this year. A family-friendly New Year's Eve celebration will not happen. Who leads the charge? Is it the nonprofit Friends of Seville that should lead the charge? Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, says the downtown district has been chipped away by numerous things. One of those things, Bill McChesney says, is that the business owners take a backseat to the social justice nature of the area. It becomes a magnet for the hands out, Bill McChesney says. Hmm. 
Deep Throat says, something like the Central Park Conservancy in New York applied to the downtown mall could be interesting. No idea if it's legally possible here, but the Central Park Conservancy in New York City has kept the park attractive even in times that were tough for New York City as a whole. Deep Throat also says, I've never really felt unsafe on the downtown mall, but I don't really go there at night. I think I told you my son had a somewhat scary experience with a mentally ill person on the downtown mall, which a police officer diffused skillfully. It's more that it feels kind of gross and shabby. I can tell you that I got aggressively panhandled a lot less the weekend before last in New York City than I did this past weekend on the mall. Wow. Mayor Giuliani, when he was the mayor of New York City, called it the broken windows influence or effect. Mm -hmm. Randy O'Neill watching the program says, the problem is every service for the people can only provide a six-foot card table and some clerks. I'm not sure what that means, Randy. If you can offer a little more perspective on this, I'm happy to relay it on air. Bill McChesney uh, points to the Office of Economic Development. Should it be... This is coming in from Thomas. Thomas says... Why not the police chief leading the charge? Who's got more goodwill and equity, as Jerry says, than conscious right now in this community? That's a good point. Do we want the police chief leading the charge for downtown Charlottesville? Some in this community would highlight that it is the police leading the charge and have a problem with it. Those that are of the fund the police mindset, for example, or activists in the community. Is it the mayor's responsibility to roll, to wear the hat of a, of a Giuliani like he did with cleaning up crime through the proverbial broken windows influence or impact or effect? And does Mayor Snook have the equity and goodwill to lead that charge? Joan Fenton has been an outspoken downtown business association uh, spokeswoman for a number of years, decades, for as long as I've been here. Joan Fenton, very DL and under the radar fashion, has a huge stake of the downtown mall from an ownership standpoint. At one time, I believe three businesses she operated on the downtown mall. Joan Fenton is often quick to highlight what is wrong with downtown Charlottesville. Sometimes not offering solutions to downtown Charlottesville. Mayor Snook was recently quoted in media saying, we have a homeless and panhandling issue. We're trying to resolve it, but it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. Exact words. Mayor Snook highlighted what we've covered on this show in months past, saying there needs to be a campus of some kind that provides mental health services, drug rehabilitation, alcohol rehabilitation, resume-building services, showers, sleeping quarters, laundry facilities, shower facilities, internet, a hand up, not a hand out for those that are in need. And that facility should not be in downtown Charlottesville. But he also highlighted we're a long ways away from that. You talk to the building owners along West Main Street, next to the railroad. I covered this yesterday. Many from Market Street Park have migrated to the buildings along the railroad tracks behind the buildings on West Main Street. Janice Boyce Trevilian is watching the program. She said, when we first moved here nine years ago, we were on the mall several times a week. Most weeks we shopped, we ate, we met family and friends. Panhandling, the lack of shops, parking expense, and feeling uneasy has made us change our habits. I think the mall... I think the need, a mall manager for sure. Business owners should have more of a say. I agree with that. I think the Downtown Business Owners Association has been a diminished entity for some time. The Downtown Business Owners Association did not do a good job of passing the torch or transitioning to younger landlords and younger owners. The power was, the influence in the power was pocketed or collected or 
held by a few and the transition as that older guard migrated out was not strategic? Is it the landlords that should lead the charge? And if it's the landlords that lead the charge, how will community feel about building owners, many extremely wealthy, leading the outlook of downtown Charlottesville? Is it the business owners that should lead the charge? Should Charlottesville create a bid, a business improvement district in downtown Charlottesville? A business improvement district where eight blocks that we call the downtown mall are taxed at a greater clip and that additional tax revenue goes to an account specifically for downtown Charlottesville. Business improvement district. All good questions. We do know that losing events like the 4th of July family-focused firework festivities <coughs> and losing events like First Night Virginia for consecutive years, family-focused New Year's festivities erodes goodwill and perhaps most importantly prevents the next generation of seeing the mall in its prime. One of my favorite memories was coming to downtown Charlottesville as a first year at the University of Virginia. Yes, I had a fake ID. Yes, I was drinking underage. Yes, I was going to the bars on the downtown mall when I was 18, 19 years old with my friends. But what I remember as a first year at the University of Virginia taking the public trolley down West Main Street and heading to the downtown mall was this eight-block ecosystem of dazzling lights, of foot traffic, of music that could be heard coming from the restaurants and the bars and the music venues. I saw this dynamic that was a melting pot of socioeconomic statuses, of skin colors, of appetites for shopping and dining and drinking. In a lot of ways, in my very sheltered first 18 or 19 years of my life growing up in Williamsburg, Virginia, born in Naples, Florida, coming up the eastern seaboard with my family after they sold their business and looked to open another business in the 757, downtown Charlottesville was my first experience, certainly independently of my parents, of real life. When we don't have First Night Virginia events or where parents or when parents are hesitant to allow their children to be dropped off downtown at Fridays after five and said, I'm gonna pick you up at 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. at the crosswalk or the crossway on 4th Street, that keeps the next generation of Charlottesvillians, taxpayers, renters, homeowners, from seeing the downtown mall in its full success or positivity or potential. How many parents watching this program would feel comfortable dropping your son or daughter off on the downtown mall on Friday at 5 p.m. and saying, I will pick you up on the crosswalk on the 4th, and 4th Street in the downtown mall at 10 p.m.? You can stay, do whatever you want. You don't need me here. I'll pick you up in five hours. Enjoy Fridays after five. How many of you moms and dads would feel comfortable doing that now? I'm concerned. Mr. DL's got a comment. Mr. DL, thank you for leaving the comment. A solution must involve homeless, the homeless issue. Define for the police chief what the city policy law is and what is allowed and then let his people enforce it. Not everyone will like that, but something needs to get done. 
This topic came up in a recent council meeting. Adjacent residential neighbors find it difficult to justify living here. That came up in a council meeting. I remember watching the council meeting and hearing it come up as well. Comments are coming in quickly. Put your comments in the feed and I'll relay them live on air. This is from John Blair. Brand management for Charlottesville is a difficult topic. The problem is, as you and Judah are pointing out, is that there are too many people trying to control the narrative. Most cities have one or two strengths that they highlight. For example, Stanton is known for its urban architecture, preservation, and its parks. Richmond is known for its museums. Belle Isle's music. Belle Isle's is music and recreational opportunities and jazz folk festivals. Roanoke has an amazing downtown urban trail as well as a deep commitment to its library system. My question to you as a brand specialist is this. Give me a Charlottesville, give me Charlottesville's top two strengths that you would turn into its brand. That's a great question. Judah, two shot. Viewers and listeners, I'll ask you that question. John, excellent stuff. John Blair. What are two strengths that you would build a brand narrative around when it comes to downtown Charlottesville? When it comes to Charlottesville in totality. How about Charlottesville in totality? Mm. <clears throat> I think I'd like to see, I'd like to see uh, all of West Main, all of Main Street feel like more of a connected entity and I would, uh, I would market, I would market Main Street, and and wineries. You would market for Charlottesville, Charlottesville, even though Charlottesville doesn't have wineries. Yeah, but it's the place to come for wineries. Yeah, spread out from Charlottesville. From Charlottesville, you can visit, you know, and then. Talk about all the amazing wineries that you can go see. History, uh, Kevin Yancey says, history and restaurants for the two things. Those Maria Marshall Barnes says, I would not let, I would not want my 15-year-old or my 12-year-old alone on the mall. I have, to try, I have tried to tell my 18-year-old what areas to be cautious about. Maria Marshall Barnes, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Janice Boyce Trevilian answers John Blair's question. Music for sure and great food. Janice Boyce Trevilian also mm -hmm. says one of my pet peeves for downtown is the lack of consistent business hours with some of the shops. No doubt. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville, where does the extra revenue from the meals tax go? The extra tax revenue from the meals tax goes to the Charlottesville Almoral Convention and Visitors Bureau, the CACVB. The CACVB, I'm, it's absolutely crazy for me to say what I'm about to say. The CACVB, the Charlottesville Almoral Convention and Visitors Bureau, is a group of elected officials managing and dictating the overall brand that is Charlottesville and Almoral County. I will give a straightforward piece of advice to the CACVB. And whether they like to hear this or not, on the CACVB, you have Juan Diego Wade, B. Lapisto Kirtley, you have Cecil Banks from the University of Virginia, Jennifer Lyon from Monticello. Chris Ingle from the City of Charlottesville Economic Development Department. Sean Jenkins from the Soul Food Joint, the restaurant on Market Street. Sheldon Johnson from the Graduate Hotel Charlottesville. Emily Kilroy from the Almoral County Economic Development Team. Susan Crischel, who manages the Ix Art Park Foundation. B. Lapisto Kirtley, Almoral County Board of Supervisors. Gabe Silver from the Rivanna River Company. Danny Shea of Red Light Management. Juan Diego Wade, John Wharton, the community member, and Jay Pond from Chim and Thai Noodle House. I would very much encourage the CACVB to allow professional brand strategists, marketers, and advertisers to get a larger say and more autonomy in managing the brand that is Charlottesville and Almaro County. 
Adam Healy, formerly of the CACVB, was very quick to point this out. If I was branding and marketing Charlottesville, I would brand and market Charlottesville around breweries, restaurants, and music. And I would do it in conjunction with the University of Virginia and its athletic department that is enjoying significant success. I would form a joint venture campaign that pools capital resources with UVA's athletic department, Almoral County and Charlottesville City, and I'd create a campaign that targets the Eastern Seaboard and much of the Mid-Atlantic, driving distance or short flights to Charlottesville, and highlight the long weekend opportunity of UVA sports, restaurants, music, and breweries. And if you do that, the trickle-over effect will find wineries, the trickle-over effect will find retail, it will find history. Whether we want to admit this or not, history does not resonate with millennials, Gen Zers, and younger patrons and payers as it once did. The ubiquitous and approachable nature of social media and smartphones has made history accessible in our fingertips as opposed to going to museums and reading plaques to learn. Look at what Asheville has done extremely well, North Carolina. They have built a brand around breweries, restaurants, and music. We highlighted on yesterday's show the, food, the beer trail that is in Charlottesville, Virginia. You can start on Preston Avenue and go Superfly Brewing Company, brand new, next to Shenandoah Joe's. You can then go across the street to Rockfish and Random Row, that's three. You can then cut across to West Main to Devil's Backbone, that's four. You can walk down West Main and head to South Street Brewery, that's five. You can go to Three Notch, that's six. You can go to Decipher Brewing and Salvage Brewing, that's seven and eight. And you can finish at Hogwaller on High Street, that's nine. There's nine breweries within a mile and a half of each other. That's a legitimate trail. Mm-hmm. Maria Marshall Barnes, I've heard that from a number of people. She said, in the past year, leaving a late concert at the Jefferson, I was anxious and was sure to wait and walk with the crowd to the garage. Lauren said, you forgot Star Hill at Dairy Market. That's 10. Thank you, Lauren. That's 10 breweries, including Star Hill and Keswick. Vanessa Parkhill says, seems like the Friends of Seville nonprofit is making a more visible effort to put a good face on and promote Charlottesville. I have noticed that as well. I think that is a smart move. Bill McChesney says, the beer crawl you discussed yesterday is how you brand Charlottesville. Thank you for watching yesterday and today's show. Bill McChesney. Here's what we're talking about. Chief Cotchis and the Charlottesville Police Department have arrested the Market Street murderer, the alleged Market Street murderer from two Saturdays ago. The positive is that it was swift, efficient arrest that is well communicated to the public. The negative is this headline will be in the news cycle a mere 72 hours removed from the headline of a homeless encampment being in a public park in downtown Charlottesville. It's another period of time for concerning headlines for the heartbeat of the city. And I'm really curious of how the University of Virginia is going to respond to this. Because the University of Virginia has a lot, clearly, of skin in the game here. They have tried to offer yellow shirt ambassadors for downtown Charlottesville. Is that enough from UVA? Some folks have asked the question, should downtown 
businesses, and landlords with the help of Friends of Seville pool financial resources to create hired security that patrols downtown Charlottesville on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. The yellow-shirted ambassadors enhanced. John Blair says, I'm going to throw something completely wild out there. UVA tennis is a national power. We have so many great public tennis courts in town. Given the explosion of pickleball, what do you think of trying to make Charlottesville the racket sports capital of America? Build more pickleball courts, highlight UVA tennis squash. I love the idea. Huge racket sports fan. All these contribute to a positive narrative. Kevin Yancey, thank you for highlighting Star Hill as well. We have seven states watching the I Love Seville show. On that note, I would encourage you to subscribe to the I Love Seville newsletter and join nearly 13,000 subscribers. We'll put a call to action link on our social channels later today. Who leads the charge is the challenge. I don't think it's the mayor. I definitely don't think it's the city manager now. I'm not sure the police chief has the bandwidth or if he's the guy that should lead the charge for brand building. Perhaps the erosion of the brand has been associated with the erosion of the Downtown Business Owners Association. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's definitely some tie-in between a lot of different things. Bob Stroh. The fact that we haven't had a, uh, a steady steady city manager for for years i'm sure has a has been has had a large impact on on all of this as well 100% 100% bob stroh was the former general manager of the charlottesville parking center bob stroh was absolutely instrumental with making sure the christmas lights were hung in downtown charlottesville every year he was a key part of the downtown business owners association when he was a part of the DBAC, it was running efficiently and effectively. And Kevin Yancey, I agree that there needs to be non-alcoholic family focal points for downtown. That's why the loss of First Night Virginia and the cancellation of the fireworks show is damning. These are conversations we need to have, folks, whether we like it or not. And folks that sweep this under the rug and say, this is no big deal, it's completely fine, it's safe. It may be to you, but you're ignoring a large portion of the community that is saying it's not to us. And while I feel undoubtedly comfortable to go downtown myself, my experience is unique and specific to me. And we need to listen to learn of experiences of others, in particular, Women, because you know what happens when women come to downtown Charlottesville? Men will follow. All right, other topics I need to get to. Let's get to the TJ Fatally headline, if you want to put the, the, the uh, fourth and fifth lower thirds on screen. TJ Fatally is running for Almoral County Board of Supervisors in the Rivanna District. His opposition is the incumbent, B. Lapisto Kirtley. B. Lapisto Kirtley and TJ Fadeley are currently neck and neck. I'll give you the fundraising numbers and then I'll get to um, TJ Fadeley, the challenger, and what he had to say in a press release that was sent to me about the incumbent, Lapisto Kirtley. Total money raised according to VPAP. B. Lapisto Kirtley, 40475 TJ Fatally, 23518 I'll give you that number again. B. Lapisto Kirtley, the Democrat, the incumbent, 40475 raise. TJ Fatally, the independent, the challenger, 23518 Fatally sends a press release to the media, to us, and he said this in the headline. Fatally rips Albemarle County retail sales tax increase proposal. 
I'll read a portion of his press release to you. Packed into the Almoral County Board of Supervisors 2024 legislative agenda is a proposal that if green lighted by next year's General Assembly and approved by the governor would allow a, a countywide voter referendum to decide whether to increase the county's retail sales tax. The current tax rate, including the sales tax, is 5.3%. A unanimous vote last week in favor to support a 1% hike in the county's retail sales tax, Almoral County. So if approved, it would go from 5.3% to 6.3%, the retail sales tax percentage. Fatally says, and I quote, with persistent inflationary pressure, the county has found yet another creative way to increase its spending at the expense of county residents. This risky new tax scheme falls disproportionately hard on working families in Almoral County, and it is another nail in the coffin for those families' hopes of economic stability, end quote. Thoughts you want to offer on this from 5.3% to 6.3% Judah Wickhauer. Viewers and listeners, your thoughts on this. You are not seeing this covered anywhere else in Central Virginia right now. Your thoughts on this, Judah? Well, is it going to have the desired effect, I think is what I would want to know. It, somebody could give a good answer to that. Uh, I, you, I think you always have to consider the offset of people spending less when taxes go up and uh, how often that uh, derails the effort to, uh, to pull in more money. This is a great stat from Deep Throat. Charlottesville city numbers show like $900 million spent on tourists, tourists spending money, 900 million. Asheville closer to 3 billion. If you wanna be like Asheville, you're three X behind. Raising taxes in a time of economic recession is, in my mind, lacking a feel for taxpayers and their financial hardship. Even proposing a one percentage increase in retail sales taxes is showing a disconnect with what's on the dais and the hardships that are on Main Street. Route 29, 5th Street, Avon, Ryle Road, 250, Keswick, Earliesville. Every dollar counts when Jerome Powell and the Fed are trying to raise our raising rates mm -hmm. to put inflation in check. Credit card debt, an all-time high in America. Yeah. Home affordability the most difficult time to afford a home in American history. Anyone that's a, that's, with revolving... That's a crazy thing to have to say. Anyone with any kind of revolving credit, anyone that's a subprime credit candidate, feeling pinched and pinched and pinched, buy some groceries. Look how little $100 gets you these days. No doubt. What does $100 get a family of foreign groceries? Two and a half days, three days, buy some baby formula. Look how expensive that is. In times of economic hardship and in recessionary periods, every dollar counts. And your elected officials should understand that and appreciate that and look for opportunities to cut and save to pass that savings on to citizens. Because whether you want to admit this or not, Tax increases impact those on the financial margin the most and create a gentrified community. Tax increases are regressive. A lot of people don't want to admit that because they're smoke and mirrored. It's a shell game by where the tax increases could go. School reconfiguration, capital improvement projects at schools. Well, 
if it takes eight to 10 years to reconfigure a school and 80 some million dollars, how many of the people got gentrified out of the community where that school, inf- school reconfiguration was going to apply to? I'm talking Buford. Mm-hmm. I'm all for making Buford better. But if it's taken a decade and 80 plus million dollars and an increase in taxes to build a new Buford, how many of the people won't get to see the new Buford once it's built because they got pushed out of the community because they couldn't afford to live in it? Increasing taxes at a time of a recession is regressive. It is not progressive. Take a look at Long Island. New York. Take a look at the taxes on people's homes in Long Island. Some of the counties in Long Island. You got extremely well-paid teachers, but the folks that can live there, wealthy. Carol Thorpe in the Jack Jewett District says, another tax increase brought to you by the All-Democrat Board of Supervisors. Is anyone surprised by this? Taxed enough already, and the acronym T. Janice Boyce Trevilian says there needs to be a central website where everyone can see what's happening downtown and around town instead of having to go to multiple websites to find that information. I echo that. I think there's a direct correlation to the erosion of traditional media and legacy media with the management of brand when it comes to localities. Who tells the stories now of localities? It's individuals on social media and not legacy media in print, radio, and television. There's a correlation there. TJ Fadley has a chance against B. Lepisto Kirtley. He's almost been 2 axed in fundraising. 40,475 versus 23,518. Lepisto Kirtley has the value proposition of being the incumbent which should not be underestimated. I'd be very curious to see what happens on the 7th of November. If on the 7th of November you see Judy Lee win, if you see Spillman win, Alan Osborne win, Berlin win on the school board, and they write in a candidate that's been, compa- that's been campaigning with Berlin and Spillman, and if on the Board of Supervisors you see Lepisto Kirtley win, Malik win, and Mike Pruitt runs on, is running on a post, that would be the status quo continues. And now more. Curious to see how the community responds to that. Let's get to some real estate business for you. This is pretty significant. There's an outfit, an organization, that on the down low is buying a lot of real estate in the Richmond area. Seminole Trail Management last week purchased two office buildings at 3951 and 3957 West Tier Parkway, W-E-S-T-E-R-R-E, for a combined $25 million. Henrico real estate records show. The seller of these buildings was the Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia base, the Simpson organization. They bought the two buildings in 2014 for 22 million, county records show. Seminole Trail Management invests and manages apartment buildings and has a portfolio with over 6,500 units. Seminole Trail Management last year spent $119 million for 11 Innsbruck office buildings 
that it purchased from a locally Richmond-based company. That means in the last year alone, Seminole Trail Management has spent $144 million in the Richmond Extended Area. $144 million in the Richmond Extended Area for Seminole Trail Management. Some of the commercial locations that Seminole Trail Management knows owns in Charlottesville the J.C. Penney Building at Fashion Square Mall, Ivy Road Properties located at 1180 Boxwood Estate Road. The tenant of that property is the research and development arm of the National Radio Astronomy Observatory. The J.C. Penney was the J.C. Penney the. deal it did with Almoro County, or was that the Sears? Nope, I was J.C. Penney. Memory was right. Seminole Trail Management got a sweetheart of a deal with Almoro County to lease the old J.C. Penney to an operations center for Almoro County. Sweetheart deal. The county's going to spend, is spending, is spending roughly $3.1 million in renovations on the J.C. Penney building, as well as 5000 560000 to lease the space for the first year. The term is a 10-year lease. Seminole Trail Management knows what it's doing. Seminole Trail Management owns Seminole Place, Seminole North in Charlottesville. You do a little research into VPAP. Let's do a little VPAP research, okay? Shall we, ladies and gentlemen, boys, boys and girls? Virginia... One of my favorite websites, vpap.org. Let's look at, who was I talking about? The TJ Fatally race? Let's look at the donors to the TJ Fatally and B. Lapisto Kirtley campaigns. Let's check out Lapisto Kirtley. Hey. Seminole Trail Properties has donated 10K to B. Lapisto Kirtley. Hmm. Let's check out TJ Fatally. Top donors, let's see. None on TJs from any seminal entity. Deep Throat highlights the fact that Richard Hewitt also gives his, in his own name and not just Seminole Trail Management. He's 100% right. Richard Hewitt, if you look at his donations on VPAP, you'll see $210,227 tied to his name alone. I'm going to search Seminole Trail on VPAP. This is all public record. This is all public record. Seminole Trail has donated $736,900. You're talking a million dollars from one organization here. 300,000, I mean, 10K to Malik, 2,500 to Snook, 10K to Lepisto Kirtley. You're talking one of the kingmakers in local politics, Seminole Trail, one of the kingmakers in very DL fashion. I want you to go to Seminole Trail, and I'm not throwing shade. I am not throwing shade. No one can miscrew this as shade. All I'm doing is talking about facts. You go on the Seminole Trail Management website, SeminoleTrailManagement.com, and you see very little information about the people behind it. I watched Richard Hewitt at an auction on the courthouse steps in person. And if you go to ilovesevillecom forward slash fashion square mall sells for 20.2 million, or just, you can just Google, 
you can Google, this will be an easier way to find it. Richard Hewitt, two T's in Charlottesville, and you will see a link from I Love Seville. I watched firsthand myself personally, and I sh recorded video of it, of Richard Hewitt in a gold tie at the steps of Albemarle County Courthouse in a live auction on a human Friday afternoon in the city of Charlottesville. Step aside at $20,150,000 for a bid to buy Fashion Square Mall. He got up to $20,150,000 before he said, no, not me. I'm not going to buy it. This guy is a kingmaker in politics. Buster Fox, one of the best pool players I've ever seen play pool, a fantastic middle infielder for Monticello baseball, and an all-around nice guy, Buster Fox, says this. Anyone that is wealthy enough can move, and they will move. They can go to Texas, they can go to Tennessee. Taxes are so much less. Well, guess what? That doesn't change the taxes for everyday people like myself that can't move. The county state isn't going to reduce it then. It will just fall on a smaller group of people that can't afford it. That's 100% mm. right. <clears throat> mm. Good comment from one of the best pool players I've ever seen shoot. One of the few people in this community to beat Bobby Anderson on a pool table. $144 million spent by Seminole Trail Management within the last year in Richmond, Virginia. Significant amount of money. Subscribe to the I Love Seville newsletter. How many subscribers on the list, Judah? 12,927. I'm going to be more vocal with the call to action to follow nearly 13,000 people in our newsletter. Oh. Real conversations about real subjects and real people in real time on the I Love Seville show by a man who's lived in this community for 23 plus years consecutively. Plans to call this community home forever. Persuaded his wife to move from the Northeast here and with her phenomenal guidance and leadership we're raising two boys that we hope will also continue living here so we can be close to them because we love them. Just want to see the community thrive. That's it. And sometimes you got to have real conversations about real subjects and real people and real time to help the community thrive. Follow the money. Follow the money. Because when you follow the money, you see who maintains power. And when you follow the money and you see who maintains the power, you see the influence that the money garters. Follow the money. All right, that's the uh, Tuesday edition of the I Love Seville show. If you like this program, the only thing I ask from you is if you like and share the show. Like the show on Facebook. Hit like right now if you enjoy the program. Share it with your friends. Help us spread the gospel. Share it with your friends. If you're on Twitter, retweet the show. LinkedIn, like the show. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We work hard for you. Not asking much in return, my friends. Thank you for joining us on a Tuesday. Judah Wickhauer and Jerry Miller. It's the I Love Seville Show. And I'll close on this. Am I on a one-shot? Yep. If you want to save reads, the grocery store, independently owned, the best path of attack is to buy gift cards at reads. Buy gift cards. If you buy all the 
inventory, the food, the drink, the produce, the cereal, the milk, the canned goods at Reed's now, that'll help them, but it's gonna empty the shelves faster and it's gonna impact the neighborhoods around Reed's that rely on the grocery store year round to feed their families. The gift card approach is more sustainable, especially for the neighborhood, and it offers Reed's a cash infusion which you could utilize later when the shelves are stocked fuller and you have more selection to purchase. Gift cards, save reads. Jerry Miller, Judah Wickhauer, I love Seville, so long.